Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. May the force be with us. And Dom. LaCroix. LaCroix. I've never actually tried one, interestingly enough. Uh, it's, it's just carbonated water, right? Flavored carbonated water? A little bit of flavor in there, just a little bit. But yeah. Just a little, a hint. Uh, do you remember Gatorade Rain? Yeah, it's for the tangent. Yeah. yeah, I liked it a lot because it was like watered down Gatorade. Gatorade in I don't general. like the sweet. Ugh. I love uh, Gatorade Ice, which is like the yeah. clear Gatorade, and they yeah. it sucks, man. Because they used to have all these flavors, and that was basically my favorite Gatorade. Even until you know, now we got G two. That's the shit right there. But tell me, you guys at least hate <laughs> Gatorade water. It's I actually right. like whatever. Water. That shit sucks. Gatorade right. Ice, though. I'm gonna finish this fucking point about Gatorade Ice. <laughs> they took out all the flavors but cherry, which is the worst flavor of Gatorade Ice. What the fuck, man? <laughs> that was my favorite um, Gatorade. Uh, Dom, the only like drink outside of water that I actively like purchase and drink uh, is Arizona tea. Uh, oh yeah, it's good shit. Arnold Palmer is my oh, favorite. Yeah. Um, Arnie P. Yeah, but like. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of vitamin water and stuff, but if it's there, I'll drink it. No biggie. Uh, anyways, that's it for our drink podcast. Uh, <laughs> as far as what we've been playing, uh, not a long list for me. Uh, I was talking about right before we started recording, I played uh, about four or five hours of Battlefront 2. Um, I played through EA Access. Uh, Were you playing online? I think the game looked... Like yeah, multiplayer? online multiplayer. Yeah. Um, so, the uh, game looks pretty. I mean, that's never been... I don't think ever been a question. Um... It's pretty, but, like, for me, I like Star Wars. I wouldn't say necessarily... How would I say this? I like Star Wars more than, like, the average dude, but definitely not, I don't think, to the extent, like, especially you two like it. I think you guys like it way more than I do. Um, I'm somewhere in that middle ground. Um, But, like, yeah, the multiplayer just doesn't do a whole lot for me. Like, it's cool to be, like, one of the heroes or villains, but I just don't think there's enough depth in that type of shooter for me, personally. I don't enjoy the Star Wars universe that much, you know, to just deal with that. Um, game looks pretty though. It's beautiful. Um, obviously not looking to buy anytime soon. <laughs> For what reasons, I assume. Uh, I've also been playing Super Mario Odyssey. I'm at 827 moons. Get the fuck out! I think. Get the fuck out! Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it's, so it sounds like I'm sitting here playing it all the time, but I'm really not. I just like I have like 10 to 15 minutes here. I pick it up and I go and scoop up the moons. And obviously, as you get more and more moons, you're your areas to get them kind of shrink down so you know exactly where you need to go and stuff. There's a couple of moons I'm holding off to the end. Have both of you beat the game yet? Yes. Nah. Okay. Uh, Jordan, have you been to the Snow Kingdom yet? Mm. Just the, one, the, the first one, Snow Kingdom. The one with the round uh, bear-looking things? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Two moons that I'm holding off because I'm having a very difficult time getting them is the ultra hard mode version of the bear the bear race you have to do the bound race Dom. Uh, oh yeah, fuck that. There's a there's an ultra hard version of it, uh, quote unquote, that I just got frustrated with, so I skipped it for now. And then doing the jump rope in Metro Kingdom up to a hundred, holding off on that because it irritated me so badly. Uh, the only two moons that I've kind of just had to like I couldn't get like I just got frustrated. Um, so I moved on from them. <clears throat> Having a good time with that. Uh, just unlocking get, outfits and stuff. Does it get super fast going to 100 with the jump rope? Uh, no. So once it hits 50, the speed stays the same. Oh, the okay. problem is is that you have to get your 
you have to get your jumps right with uh, with Mario. Like, you have to do the short jumps. And I think if I had a pro controller, I think it'd be a lot easier. But um, playing in handheld mode, because uh, I, do, I don't really like the Joy-Con grip controller thing. I'm just not a fan of it. Um, too small for me. Um, so, like, using the Joy-Con itself, I haven't figured out for me personally how to get the short jumps effectively enough in a row. I've gone up to, like, 70. It just got me frustrated. So then a pro um, controller will change your life. Do you then, I know. Jared, do you then pretty much only play handheld? Yeah. Uh, just cause I've I've tried playing games in, in, with the Joy-Con grip. It's just not comfortable for me. Yeah, it's not. Great. Um, has nothing to do with like the the picture quality or literally anything like that. Once I get a Pro controller, I'm good. I'll be more 50-50. It just it's not very comfortable for me. So I just enjoy handheld more and more. Um, other than Super Mario Odyssey, I played the Project Octopath demo, uh, which I think you did as well, Dom. Yes. Um, Project I, Octopath Traveler. It's so what cool. A name. It's so cool. I would love if it got revealed as just a Final Fantasy game. I know that's the people's dreams and it won't happen, but that'd be cool. Um, so I played as Primrose. I haven't done the other one for the warrior character yet. Um, I'm not surprised at all, just because I was already so high on this game, and it just meets all my expectations. I like it a lot. Um... I was surprised by the voice acting at the beginning of the demo. That caught me off guard. I was like, I'm going to be reading text, and I heard somebody's voice. I was like, I turned up the volume. I was like, wait, what? Uh, so that was surprising. Uh, really beautiful, really cool. Uh, you'll probably have more to say on that, Dom, so I don't want to go too long on that. Um, and also Destiny 2. Recently got uh, all my characters up to 305, which is max light level. Um, awaiting uh, Osiris that comes out on December 5th. Um, I'm, it's not, I'm not a hundred percent that I'm going to buy the DLC day one. I'm still going to wait to see mixed reactions. Like I'm still high on destiny Two, but the way destiny's DLC works for those familiar is usually the, this will happen with the first destiny. The first DLC is like, it's, it's some good content, but I don't think justifies a day one purchase in my opinion. Um, and then it's the second DLC where they come out with another raid and it's kind of like the meta altering uh, DLC. So that one's probably going to be a day one for me. This one, I'm still in the fence of whether or not I'm going to pick it up right away. Um, still enjoying the raid. Uh, one of my friends recently picked up Destiny 2, so I've been helping him level up and stuff, which has been fun. Um, just rolling through these areas and uh, helping him out. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. Not a not a heavy week as far as gameplay. And uh, yeah. Octopath, Traveler of the Project Variety. I played it too. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I kind of liked it. It's, it's interesting. Like, I wonder how they're gonna make the eight storylines connect. You know, like, is it gonna be a party system? Is it like each of them are their own story in this world? So as you play through one, you'll see the connections to other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about uh, this too. How that's gonna work yeah. out? But this did just go up on Amazon for pre-order. By the way. Oh, it did. It's a Sixty dollar game. Hmm. Interesting. I, I don't think the Damn. price points worry. It's, it's surprising. Uh, I well, felt like, like uh, Setsuna was overpriced at $40, so I'm probably going to feel the same about this. Yeah, I assume that means yeah. it's just way, way deeper than we anticipate, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, Setsuna, uh, what was the follow-up to Setsuna by that same team? Project Octopath uh, Traveler. No, I thought there was another game that came out before that that was... Maybe it's a Bravely Default team I'm thinking of. Probably. Yeah, Bravely Wait, Default, no. they're doing... That's who's yeah, doing Octopath. Doing Octopath, yeah, yeah, you're right. My bad. Okay. It's, uh, okay. it's uh, what Lost Sphere. 
Lost Fear. There you yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah got you got me confused. Minutes. I was like, wait, yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. got mixed up. My bad. I'm the dumbass. It's fine. But yeah, I, um, I thought it was pretty cool. And frankly, when I look at what I have on the Switch now, and when I look into next year, I don't know what is going to be next that I'm going to be really into on the Switch next year. Well, that's, a, that's a big question, right? Like Animal Crossing, Xenoblade? Metroid, Pokemon. Well, yeah, but yeah, we don't gonna, know, right? Uh, yeah, Xenoblade is interesting, Jordan. That's what I'm going to wait for. If it, for me, if it gets high scores, like if it gets eights or higher, I, I'm more than likely going to be picking up sooner rather than later. Mm. If it gets like six or sevens, it's a game I'm, I still want to play because I think that world is very interesting, like for my personal tastes, mm. and I'll probably pick it up a little bit later on the, down the line. But Xenoblade is a game I'm definitely looking at, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah, it just feels like it has so much behind it. I don't know. Like I, that trailer was really bad. They, they over-explained everything. I don't think they did a good a good enough job selling it to people. I just don't know if I can I just know. jump into that series right there. I don't know. Just they're standalone. For me, it's like... Yeah, for me, it's like Final Fantasy. It's like, does it really matter? Yeah, they're know. standalone games. Well, I'll take a look. We'll see. We'll see. The other thing <laughs> with Switch and Nintendo games is they pretty much don't go on sale. So Oh, yeah. And if they do, it's like... Five percent, ten percent. True. Well, the first party one they, they just added a sale tab to the store, which the store is a clusterfuck, no doubt. But at least they've added at least the area where things can go on sale. But I mean, like, like Breath of the Wild on Black Friday, there's like one store has it for fifty dollars, and it's almost yeah. a year old. Oh yeah. That's, Whereas like that's brand for sure, brand new third party games are now like thirty bucks. Are going to be like thirty? Bucks. Yeah, Assassin's yeah. Creed, Wolfenstein. Nintendo's <laughs> games just pretty much don't go on any significant sales comparatively. But anyway, um, yeah, Octopath looks cool. That's what I played. I also played um, more Dishonored, Death of the Outsider. I'm now down to the last trophy, which is one more playthrough without being detected. So, got Ooh. all those paintings and I finished all these contracts and all this other nonsense. Um, so I'm just going to play through it one more time and have a good old, a good old sneaky time playing Dishonored, warping around is, and such. Is that like your comfort food game of the year? Like just the game that you're going back and picking up when you don't want to start something new? Or is it just like you just want to get the platinum? Is that what your goal is now? Uh, it's a little bit of both because right, like I uh, said last week, like I'm waiting until some deals come out you know, next week for Black Friday before I buy something new. So in the meantime, I'm just kind of sitting and waiting, playing some Dishonored. Awesome. Um, but otherwise, I yeah, I played a lot more Odyssey. I beat the game you know, the story, whatever. Um, that level is all I'll say about it, but it's good. Uh, it's cool. I think, yeah. I think Jared, you knew I would appreciate it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all I'll say. But as cool as it was, I was kind of just, all right, well, that's that for me. I guess I would, you know, I warped around for a while and just kind of checked out a couple nooks and crannies in there. I was like, all right, I guess I'm done. Went back to a couple previous levels because um, of that. And I don't know if is it spoilers to say, you know. It is spoilers. It is spoilers. I feel like. Yes. I don't know. I don't think that's that big a spoiler. When I when it happened, and Jared, you. I'd rather err on the side of caution. Yeah. I wouldn't consider it a spoiler. It's but always I'd rather good err on the side of when thinking of spoilers. I think it was yeah, a cool the thing they caution. did. But to me, it just didn't motivate me enough to go back and get more moons. Because I, I went yeah. back and hit the next threshold, which I think was 250. Um, yeah. So you could unlock that next level, and then I got to that level. You know, the I don't want to even say anything because it's it's hard, hard to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah. But I went to that. Yeah. That, I guess I'll call it a bonus level, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of lame to me. And then, well, I don't know. So the second bonus level you get, Dom, is like 
it's like the end of a Souls game, dude. And I hate to make the comparison. Everything's like yeah. A Souls oh, that game. no, that's a good comparison. I didn't think of that. But like, no, the next one after that. The next, okay. Jesus, dude, <laughs> it is, it is the hardest thing I've ever played in a Mario game. Damn. Ever, it is, it is something. It tests your your metal. Yeah, it's just mm. overall the the end stuff now. I don't know. It's just it's struggling to motivate me too a little bit. I, I had the same yeah, kind of thing well, in Zelda where I was just like, do I really want to go back and find more seeds? You know, for what purpose? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's for. I think that's just in, it, with a game. It's depend. I, I don't want to say love because that's a bad way to put it. But like, it's how much time you just want to continue spending in that world. And I don't think that's any reflection on how much you enjoyed your time with the game. It's just you know you can't. You sometimes you just don't feel like sitting there post end game and collecting stuff and doing stuff. Yeah. You know? I don't know I could, and fun. I appreciated it. I thought it was cool, but. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of where I left it. So that's what I've been doing. Oh, wait, uh, Jordan. I've, <laughs> sorry, I'm just I'm all over the place yeah. now. Um, been watching Fear the Walking Dead finally. Nice. Almost done with the second season. Really liking it. Really like it. You were you yeah. were right. Third season even better. And at this point, I was actually just thinking about walking the Walking Dead before you brought that up. Um, I would say that too, the th- of course. The third season, yeah, the third season of Fear the Walking Dead that just aired, I think, is quite a bit better than where we're at in season eight of Walking Dead, which yeah, is I believe it is rough to say the least. Yeah, I haven't liked the writing this whole season. I liked the last episode in a vacuum. Oh, you're like watching it, stuff with... Jared? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were done with Walking Dead. No, I caught up on it. It's a show that I uh, I hate to like. Uh, you know, it's one of those things it's where a lot uh, of us are at. Yeah, but like I liked that last episode. Um, yeah, with centered the one around with Ezekiel was the best yeah. so far. It was way better than what we. It did. just some of the storylines don't make sense to me. Some of the characters' motivations don't make sense to me. The whole thing with Jesus is really upsetting. Oh, it's it just doesn't terrible. make sense. They're in the they're turning of Jesus into the next Andrea, and it's just pissing me the fuck off. And I called it, <laughs> yeah. you know, we when we were talking about uh, Telltale's uh, Walking Dead season three, and I was like, "Fuck, this is such a better version of Jesus because it's the actual comic version instead of the the watered down TV version." Just yeah, like yeah. Andrew, I like what I didn't mind what Jesus was doing uh, recently. I think that's fine. That's a good question that uh, hasn't been brought up since like season two, and not at this. But scale. not by him though. I, yeah, that but, seems like, to fit you him. Do that with like a. Not really. I don't think. I don't want to I, get into a whole I disagree with you on two points, Dom, because first of all, yeah, that's he's not the person to be doing that. He's supposed to be like a bad motherfucker kicking people left oh, and right. Well, I don't I don't know that. I don't have the background on him. I just know Sure, what I see but him. like they're watering him down either okay. way. And second of all, I would disagree with the fact that there's been nobody bringing up the we don't do that. We're not like them. We're not like that, okay? Well, that's meant- not us. <laughs> I meant specifically... That's not who we are. Specifically regarding uh, prisoners, I, I meant. Because, yeah, you're right. That comes yeah. up. Th- that overall question is every episode. Yeah. yeah, it's just like with the saviors and the context of everything that's happened, it's like, it just doesn't make sense well, with everything that... Yeah, because, that like, th- they're they're jumping between three different sets of, of characters, and it's like two out of the three are just mowing saviors down, and then Jesus <laughs> exactly. is like, we can't kill them, guys! That's not okay! It's like you kill 450 of them and there's like 20 left. You're like, no, we yeah. can't kill these we can't. 20 specifically. They're, they're, they're people yeah. too. We're not We're not them. We don't do that, Dom. We're I don't know. not See, like I, that. I, <laughs> I would agree myself with you guys, you know, were it me yeah. in this situation. But I think that, it, I don't know, it makes sense 
that someone there is asking that question. Now, Jordan, if you say, like, Jesus is a way different character in the comics, then that's kind of – I mean, that sucks to people who are familiar I mean, with that. And he's different now. All but, like, out you, you are the, the yeah. storyline that we're currently in is totally different in the comics, too, so I can't compare mm-hmm. that part of it. Okay. But it's not even like, oh, well, Jesus would totally just be down with mowing all these motherfuckers down. No, it's just that Jesus, like the best characters in the show and comic – uh, no, at a certain point you got to do what you got to fucking do, especially in this world. And he's down to fucking do it. And he's also just like a bad motherfucker. Where, like, they really—it's funny that they give such an emphasis on his boots. He wears these thick boots, and he has them in the show, <laughs> but he doesn't use them in the comic and uh, the Walking Dead Telltale series. He's fucking kicking motherfuckers left and right, and he's like destroying zombies with his feet, which is really dope. And this guy. Whoop. It's first of all way too small and way too much of a pretty boy kind of deal to to like live up to that character, but it's just like there the writers are ruining him more than anything. Well, the funny thing is like, but when we when we heard that because we talked about Walking Dead obviously almost uh, from the beginning of this podcast when we first started it, like when you first were saying like we were talking about when Jesus was going to be on the show, you're like, oh yeah, he's this like tall badass dude that kind of looks like Jesus. That's his nickname, and he has these boots and he kicks the shit out of people. <laughs> and then when he came out on the show, it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's kind I think of like. He's done the kick move once, I think, since yeah. he's been on for, like, two seasons. Well, even just stature. I was expecting, like, somebody with some yeah, presence. I, and, like, I agree with you, Dom, that somebody in the group should be asking questions. But I think you can write that in a lot easier with, like, n- maybe not necessarily Carl, uh, but, like, a younger character or somebody who's new to the group. Or if they were capturing people that weren't the saviors. You know what I mean? But all of the context in it just doesn't make sense for me. It's just like, it's not doing it for me. Well, that's a good Um, point too, Jared, because even uh, Edith, I think is the correct name, uh, the girl that's hanging out with Maggie was like, why are you letting Gregory back into Hilltop? Like, fuck this guy. And she's (laughs) the youngest besides Carl. So yeah, it's Jesus is the only one that's not on board with this. And then... The fact that Morgan is just like now in the show bouncing back and forth between I can't um, stand him, you know, this whole like clear thing, and then like no, I don't, I want to be like uh, a uh, you know like uh, a, a good-hearted martial artist and only like knock people out with my stick, like I'm some fucking Yoda character all of a sudden. It's like, I think frankly he needs just, to just die. <laughs> I think his well, character only because good, they've ruined I, him. If they yeah, hadn't ruined yeah, exactly. him, I love the yeah. actor, you know. Yeah, I think the the actor and the character are good. I think the writing for him the last season and a half hasn't been great. Right. And they should have either killed him off a season ago or done better with his writing. He has gone a bit annoying in the way they're writing him. I agree with you on, on that, Dom. Um, so we can get back into video games real quick. Pivot. Uh, you were talking about uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. Do you think that'll ever get licensed into a video game? Nah, no. No. Probably not. It's not all that no. popular, especially like for it being a Walking Dead properly property, I think that uh, it's probably not going to happen, and I don't necessarily know that you want that anyways. You already have... <laughs> exactly. You already yeah. have The Walking Dead and uh, Walking Dead Michonne, so it's like, I think, you know, four Speaking seasons of, of The Walking Dead plus that, I think you're good. Are we finally going to get that Overkill's The Walking Dead that we've been shown, like, for four years? You remember that game? Uh, Jesus I, Christ! I know what you're talking about, but yeah, it's like other than the Telltale games, I think you don't necessarily need a Walking Dead video game. I think there's better zombie properties that you could go with, you know. Yeah, 
Where's the Dying Light sequel? Like, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, Tune that's actually a good point. But I, Turtle Rock is, if I'm correct, that's a studio hasn't. You know, it's not like they're working on something else. So I'm sure they'll. That'll uh, be what they're working on. What have you been playing though, Jordan? Uh, you're. I, I don't want to cut you. Uh, hopefully, I'm not cutting you do- off, Dom. No, that was it. That was it. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, actually, funny enough, I haven't. Uh, I don't think I've played anything since we last met. Um, but... You're a liar and a phony. Get off the pocket. <laughs> um, well, if I was a liar, then I'd be like, oh yeah, guys, I've been playing much oh, guess, games yeah. this week. Um, but anyways, the. Uh, the stuff I've been watching, I guess, is what I'll talk about. Obviously, I was going to mention The Walking Dead. We had that conversation. And then um, just another quick shout-out for Mr. Robot. Uh, last night's episode was fucking awesome. They led right in from last week's episode that I was talking about being the continuous shot uh, type of deal that they were doing. And um, just keeping the intensity. I mean, the intensity that they're rolling with in the show, it's like the episode starts... It gets intense within the first couple minutes, and then it just stays intense. Like, you really are on the edge of your seat for the entire time, even though they're bouncing between different characters and different scenes. It doesn't ever it doesn't ever pull back, and I'm really enjoying that. Um, and I can't wait to see what's coming up next week, because it's, um, you know, they just leave you uh, with your jaw on the floor every week. And so I'm really enjoying that. Um and then I'll give a little shout out to uh, an anime that I started watching called The Ancient Maga's Bride. Uh, Ancient Maga's Bride is about uh, this this chick who basically gets like decides to sell herself into slavery and turns out to be uh, kind of like a, a magically powerful being without knowing it. And so this uh, this Magus or mage. Uh, decides he purchases her and wants eventually to make her his bride but it's not like a creepy thing like he's just like yeah that would be cool but mostly I'm just going to teach you how to do magic Um, and if we end up falling in love then that would be super dope as well and he's like he's got a really cool character design he looks like this uh, stature of a tall man but then his head is like kind of like if you remember in the witcher what were those the leshens uh, in The Witcher, which are like, uh, they have like the, the skull with the antlers um, as a oh, okay. head. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? He lo- that's what his yeah. head looks like, yeah. Um, so, uh, really cool character design for him. But then also, I mean, the show is just gorgeous. The, the colors, like, just pop. And I know that a lot of anime looks that way. A lot of anime looks really nice in poppy colors, but... Um, this show does that especially well, and just the environments that they're going into feel so um, really alive. They feel very, um, um, it almost feels like um, kind of a, kind of like I, how I've talked about Horizon, like you can almost feel the wind coming off of the grass or the, the cool coming off of the, the lake or whatever, and so um, this show does a great job with that. And then it's also just got a really interesting... Uh, kind of magical universe that they're uh, that they're showing you into that they're introducing you to so I've been really enjoying that show um, it's got three prequel OVAs and then they're um, just several episodes into the actual series itself so I'm really enjoying that and then uh, is it like a, sorry to interrupt you, is it like elemental no. magic is it spiritual magic like what type of magic exactly is it um, it's I guess it would be like 
I don't, I'm not sure how you technically define those two terms, but it's it's kind of just a, like your classic magic type stuff, like fantasy okay. magic with with dragons and um, you know spells being cast and and mages gotcha. and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's cool and it doesn't feel old, even though there's lots of media, especially anime specifically, that has that. Um, those magic elements introduced so I'm really enjoying that um, and then I'd like to give a, a shout out as well to a movie I watched last night called Logan Lucky you guys might have heard of this one. Oh yeah I've been meaning to watch that yeah it's out on uh, digital and uh, maybe even blu-ray at this point but um, it's uh, a Steven Soderbergh film and um, some of his movies I really enjoy some of his I don't as much he's probably most uh, famous for the Oceans 11, 12, and 13 reboots um, but he's also done really cool movies like Traffic um, which is about how um, the drug trade from uh, essentially Mexico into California affects everybody in every walk of life really cool how it shows that anyways this movie um, is about uh, Channing Tatum and his brother um, um Fuck. Ben, it's no. uh, Kylo uh, Ren. It's uh, yeah. it's Adam uh, Driver. Driver, Adam yeah. Driver, yeah. And then, so they're brothers, and they are wanting to break into this NASCAR speedway that has a big bank vault of its own. Um, basically, Channing Tatum just got fired uh, for having a pre-existing medical condition. He was working on fixing some of the pipes that had bust underneath the track as a construction worker and so they they basically just play in this giant heist and they break uh daniel craig's character out of jail so that he can help them do it um riley keogh plays their sister and um it's got a really great cast uh it's a great heist film but it's different than a lot of heist films it doesn't have like your your um kind of overwrought heist montage even though i i still really enjoy those um, and it's also, you know, they're stealing from a NASCAR speedway and they're all playing like these West Virginia hillbillies with these thick accents. I guess that would be my biggest complaint with the film is the accents are clearly done by Hollywood actors, actors that don't have country accents. <laughs> and oddly enough, I think the best country <laughs> accent comes from Daniel Craig, who's the only British person in the cast. Um, but Adam Driver does That's it pretty funny. well too. Yeah. Adam Driver has a pretty good drawl and uh, has the cadence of the southern accent down pretty well, I would say. Um, but anyways, uh, really, it's pretty funny, but mostly it's just a really great heist film. If that's what you're into, it's it's kind of turning that genre on its head because usually people are heisting a fucking NASCAR Speedway in West Virginia. So um, definitely worth your time. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, like the, 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 the funny thing is I think... The pitch that people give for this movie is clear and concise of what it is, but I think it's so much more than that. Because like when I first heard about this movie, I was like, "Oh, it's a redneck heist movie," and yeah, if you look at it very like baseline, that's it. But it's it's a lot more than that, you know. I think that's the easiest way to digest it. But like, I don't think that gives the full context of the movie, you know. Yeah, there by is. By any means, there is uh, quite a bit more to it than that. So I'd yeah. say it's absolutely worth it. Adam Driver is a great actor too. I liked him on Girls, and then now he's kind of started blowing up. Yeah, uh, that's what Star Wars he's, does. Uh, I guess. 
he's interesting you know he's he's uh certainly an odd duck you know um yeah but uh regardless i think he's a pretty damn good actor he um you know sometimes we've kind of been missing go ahead I was going to say, we've been kind of, for me personally, we've been missing an influx of, like, non-traditionally handsome lead actors. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's good to have him. I'm not saying he's ugly by any means, but, like, obviously he's not traditionally, Come he's on. not Ryan Gosling, you know? Yeah. Um, he's got a big goofy nose. Yeah. Yeah. But we've, we've kind of been missing that, because we had, like, Nicolas Cage back in the day, and we've had people here and there, but we kind of have been missing that, I think, from, like, the younger generation of actors that are coming up, so Certainly. I'm glad to see him getting his time. Yeah. Um... Are you guys ready to hop into the news? That's news. Let's do it. Okay, so the first bit of news here, uh, we're gonna have two. We're gonna have one news story and a big topic about visceral. I know it's old news. We haven't been together to be able to talk about it, so just deal with it. Uh, <laughs> the first, the the first bit of news here, uh, we're talking about Disney and them shutting down Marvel heroes. Uh, this came out pretty pretty surprisingly a couple of days ago. Um, and uh, Disney's quote is, We regret to inform our Marvel Heroes fans that we have ended our relationship with Gazillion Entertainment and that the Marvel Heroes games will be shut down. We would like to sincerely thank the players who join the Marvel Heroes community and will provide any further updates as they become available. So people are speculating what happened here. Um, little did people understand, uh, this deal with Gazillion was actually done before Marvel was purchased by Disney. So this was a, a deal that was already in place. And from what everybody was saying... Apparently, Marvel just kind of dealt with this. Um, they weren't a huge fan of Marvel Heroes or its direction, but they kind of just let it ride out for a while um, because it was you know, a deal they previously that Marvel engaged with Gazillion, and they kind of wanted to honor that for as long as possible. Um, the big thing is people were worried. When are the servers getting shut down? What exactly is going on? Um, Marvel Heroes Omega, or Marvel Heroes rather, uh, has uh, clarified, and they stated uh, in a tweet, we're sad to inform our players and our entire uh, Marvel Heroes family that Marvel Heroes Omega will be shutting down. The Marvel Heroes servers will stay on until December 31st, 2017, Jeez. and we'll be removing real money purchases as soon as possible. Players will be able to play the game entirely for free once this sunset period commences. We will share the exact date things go completely free as soon as we can. We've had the privilege of entertaining and collaborating with our players for over four years. We're extremely humbled by that. Uh, privilege and wanted to send, get this message out. Thank you. Thank you to our players, our tireless employees, and everyone involved in the life of Marvel Heroes. Marvel Heroes 2015, 2016, and Marvel Heroes Omega. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, I mean, once again, this goes without saying, it sucks for the people that are losing work. You know, Gazillion isn't getting shut down, but this is a, a huge deal they had in place, right? Um, it sucks for the people that bought into this game because, you know, you can buy a bunch of heroes. I mean, it's microtransactions yeah. is what it is. And then it's like, yeah, well, all that money you dumped into the game, it's going to be worthless in uh, just about a month, man. A month! That's ever yeah. easy. You got to know that, you know? Yeah. I mean, sure, but, like, I bet you're going to be able to play Battlefront 2 as bad as its microtransactions are for probably the next eight years i would assume yeah yeah that one's it's, it's, probably yeah. i think this i think it's a very interesting situation too because like it's uh, you know disney probably was looking at this and this is the conversation of we've talked about like what's the square enix avengers game is it a games of service what is it and uh for me i think this is 
my thought process obviously this is a deal that was that happened before Disney owned them and obviously a lot of companies kind of don't like to keep those deals around they like to do their own thing right because they're responsible for everything that happens with that deal even though they made it as long as it keeps going so there's obviously that end of it but I also think that they wanted to make sure that their message wasn't muddied when the rest of these Marvel games start coming out because we're going to have some type of hero shooter or games of service game come out um and I just think they don't want to muddy the message. Though Marvel Heroes is a completely different game than what those are going to be, I think the average consumer, it's, it's, I think it would get lost in the messaging. And obviously, I just think Disney was like, this wasn't our deal. Um, I think my one gripe with it is I would have liked for them to announce this like halfway through the year. Um, yeah. Obviously, you don't know how these negotiations happen. But like in a perfect world, I think it would have been cool if like you know around June, July, they're like, hey, guys, this is ending in December and giving people enough time, you know. Um, but I understand where this is this is coming from. It makes sense, you know. It sucks, but it makes sense. Just a quick, quick transition there is my biggest thing. Yeah, very crazy. quick. Yeah. I mean, some people are speculating it could have gotten shut down like this week, you know. Yeah. So uh, the silver lining is at least you have to tell December 31st. Obviously, you would like more time. We'd always want more time, but... Yeah, this came out of nowhere, too. Really crazy. Uh, so, I guess we're going to be... Uh, Don, do you have anything to say about this? You good? No, no. I mean, I had Real quick, though, I will say, it just came out on consoles within the last, like, four or five months. February, I want to oh, say. Oh, okay. Maybe it yeah. was more. I guess I'm wrong about that. But it's still less yeah. than a year since it's been on console. Yeah, but it's been around for four years, uh, you know, everywhere. It is. It is weird that, like... This had to be something, I don't know, it's it's very interesting that this launched on console around the same time we started getting news of, like, uh, Marvel's licensing deal with, with Square Enix and stuff, um, because it seemed like there was a big push to get this to console so it can have extra life in it, you know? It is very weird. Very weird. Um, unless it just these discussions didn't happen until recently, uh, so. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, the big topic, we're going to be talking about Visceral. I mentioned this earlier, uh, the Visceral closing by EA. Uh, we hadn't had a chance to talk about it because Dom was out of town. Um, I'm going to go through the timeline, and then we're just going to talk about it. Um, obviously, we have a lot of different things to tackle of, you know, why do we think Visceral uh, was shut down, um, our opinions on the game that is never going to see the light of day, well, the game that was envisioned anyways, all the different things. I want to go through the timeline first, and then we can start an open uh, discussion about it. So the first news we got was October 17th. This is when the Michael McWhorter article went up, basically stating EA shutting down Visceral Games. The, the Star Wars game they were working on is getting completely overhauled, right? This is when we found out. It was crushing. We're like, this is the game we've been waiting for. This is Amy Hennig's game. What exactly happened? Um, a couple of days later, they posted an update stating, we talked to uh, uh, EA about Amy Hennig's future. They said we're in discussions with her about her next move. To this day, we still don't know what Amy Hennig's going to be doing. Is she still going to be at EA? Is she moving somewhere else? We really don't know. We haven't got that clarification. Um, the next thing we got in terms of news was this giant, crazy article by way of Jason Schreier 10 days later on October 27th called The Collapse of Visceral's Ambitious Star Wars Game. I suggest to you, if you want all of the information, go read this article. It'll be in the link in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. It's a very lengthy article. Very lengthy. Uh, take you between 10 and 25 minutes to read, depending on your reading speed. Very long article. Goes into a lot. He um, talked to multiple people who were uh, former employees at Visceral, people who were tangentially close to Visceral, people who had worked at EA in the past, 
talked to a lot of different people, a lot of different sources. Very large article that gives a lot that we're going to be discussing. Um, but as far as the timeline, that's when that happened. Fast forward to November 9th, which is uh, about a week ago from recording this. And Jonathan Cooper over on Twitter, who's an animator at Naughty Dog, um, he's actually um, somebody who's known for voicing his opinion on things that happen in the industry. Uh, he basically, when the whole Mass Effect Andromeda thing happened with the animations, he he wrote up this thing discussing like, yeah, the animations aren't great in Mass Effect Andromeda, but it wasn't Bioware that did it. It was outsourced, and here's why they suck, essentially explaining like, this is why it sucks, right? Um, like so he's very vocal about this stuff. Outsourced. I don't know. I don't yeah, really exactly. buy that as an excuse or anything. It's not. Uh, no, no, he's not saying it as an excuse, but like people were comp- yelling at Bioware for the bad animations when technically it wasn't Bioware who did the animations. He wasn't. He wasn't asking for. Yeah, I mean Bioware chose he was just explaining those contractors to come and do that work. You know, I mean it's all the same. Well, EA chose. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think uh, it's pretty clear that EA doesn't know how to properly manage their projects well, at this point. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't asking for forgiveness for them, Dom. He was literally just explaining these are why the Mass Effect animations suck. Because people were like, why would they suck in this game and they were better in the other Mass Effect games? He was literally just these explaining. These guys that. shouldn't have been on such a big budget game. Um, so, he in this tweet he states, "Word on the street is the respawn Star Wars game was instrumental in the visceral closure because it looks so much better by comparison." despite a way shorter development window. This further backs it up. And then he links to the article, which this happened recently, uh, the same day. Uh, EA buys Respawn for $450 million. Um, there's other sources in the industry that basically said the way it worked is, you know, EA was, was looking into Visceral's game. They weren't happy with what they were seeing. They saw what Respawn was working on, put one and one together, and we got the news of Visceral closing and Respawn being purchased. <laughs> um, the Respawn thing, too, also has to do with the fact that uh, EA had the first right of refusal. A big Chinese company was uh, was in talks of buying Respawn. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but they basically offered an amount to purchase Respawn. EA, having first right of refusal, offered more money, and they ended up purchasing uh, Respawn. So yeah, that's exactly think, what happened. I think the whole purchasing Respawn part of this equation isn't really part of this was equation. it having to outbid yeah it was right. having to outbid that chinese I think conglomerate that yeah. specific part of the story uh isn't relevant to visceral i think they just ea said oh shoot someone's gonna buy them we gotta grab this right side yeah. note yeah if i'm at this or if i'm a former visceral employee i'm like looking at this like come on man are you fucking serious <laughs> yeah like of course of course great yeah yeah um yeah so that's the timeline of everything um a couple of bullet points i want to hit on um, throughout this discussion, I have uh, I've pulled from the Jason Schreier article just for uh, for everybody not there of where I'm pulling the specific um, information and facts and stuff like that and, and you know stuff and, he's and these are people. his whole article is from anonymous sources that he exactly. knows so there's no exactly. names um, but he's Jason Schreier so we for the most part take him pretty well trusted that it's legit and the way he's talked about it, it seems like it's like more than a couple of sources like this seems right. like tens to fifteens of people like a, a vast amount of people obviously we don't know it's fact but Jason Trier has a pretty long successful track record about these things so you kind of believe these because of his track record so um, yeah I just want to open the floor to you guys I know we have a lot to say I know you guys are especially Jordan's torn about this because you wanted to this game to be a thing you know so bad such so. a big visceral fan dude yeah it it sucks, <laughs> you know. It it's I'm just I'm, so, I'm so sad. I'm so sad <laughs> because Dead Space is 
And I'm saying Dead Space is one of my favorite series. See, I don't think that Dead Space is in a Dead Space. I think we'll definitely see it again <laughs> at some point. Shoot, I hope so, man. Everything comes back, yeah. It's so, such a great series, and just like I was mentioning about EA's mismanagement of their properties, that's exactly what they did with Dead Space 3, and, and from the sound of it, from hearing the behind-the-scenes stories, that's what they did with Dead Space 2. They were not satisfied with the fact that Dead Space was a niche uh, cult um, hit, you know, the fact that it was critically so well received, and yeah, it sold plenty of copies, but that uh, horror is always going to be a niche like even as successful as Stephen King's It was in the theater this year it's never going to beat out a fucking superhero movie, it's never going to beat out a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie or a Star Wars movie that's just not what horror is and dead space was way into horror so you're not going to be able unless uh you try to change it into this action series like they did especially with three you're not going to be able to sell it to a wide audience and even when they did change it it still didn't work because that's not what made it great in the first place the irony that they (laughs) that it was what the first two were so well received that they inflated the budget and wanted it to sell even more and like you're saying it it could never have met those expectations I, and I think going forward, I don't know if Dead Space is a game that can exist at EA. I don't think e, uh, Dead Space is a game that EA is trying to look to make because Somebody it is going to be property. a game. It is going to be a game that isn't going to sell what they expect. And they're the way EA works is they put an X amount of budget into a game and expect an X amount of return, which is like obviously almost every business. But the thing is, is that I don't think they necessarily. They don't want like minimum return. They want like a, a large, large return. You know, they don't Which, want to meet the budget. They want to exceed it exponentially. Well, not only and that, I just, uh, but the next game has to do bigger in the series, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. And that's such bullshit because they're the ones sitting there going, "Guys, we have EA Originals. The reason that Yarny exists in the first place is so that you know we can take some of this." these billions of dollars that we earned from FIFA Ultimate Team every year and we can spend it on more artistic stuff that may not see the light of day because you know we're just good hearted EA trying to make sure that these artists get out there and get the spotlight that they deserve but then when you see it time and time again with Dead Space and then uh, with Visceral Star Wars game with uh, putting you know first of all putting a team that should never been in, have been in charge of the next Mass Effect uh, installment, in charge of the next Mass Effect installment, and then um, pushing it out the door clearly before it was ready. It's just like, you guys aren't concerned about making the best game or, or you know, giving people the most artistic freedom that's going to allow them to shine in that spotlight that you're putting on them. Quit acting like it, you know? I can, I can totally get down with giant companies wanting to make more money. I can get down with that because that's what they're made for. But don't sell me. Don't try to sell me some bullshit about how you're just trying to... You're fucking patrons of the art over there. Like, it's just so fucking obnoxious that they're just so two-faced, you know? So here, here, here's a philosophy, Jordan, and uh, it's something like the company I work for is really big on. Um, and I think EA could probably learn this lesson. Granted, I'm not a business super genius but from what i'm observing um they could use this lesson and that's the best way to make money is going at it from a mindset of creating the most value for your customer and then you make money instead of going at it from the front out of i want to make the most money possible when you start with i want to create the most value for the customer and that doesn't mean like 
um, you know, the complete artsy. Like this is just creating as much value as possible for your customer, and that is going to bring in everything you want on the other end. But well, when it, and they're not at all concerned with value at the end of the right. day. Well, but think about this though. I think this is a huge point that people are missing is that when EA Original started, when uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst was greenlit, Peter Moore was there, and he was starting to tr- transition this message of, we're not the old EA, please please understand me, we're, we're moving towards gamers. That's when EA Originals and, and Mirror's Edge Catalyst were first like greenlit and put into place. He left. He's no longer at EA. And we've seen... Th- uh, obviously, EA's never been liked, right? Obviously, they've had issues. I'm not saying Peter Moore did everything great. But if you look at the timeline of when Patrick Sutherland took over EA and the steady decline of what's been happening with the public perception of their games, it's astonishing. And eh, I, don't, I, I never really liked Peter Moore because, you know, I've made plenty of jokes about him talking talking up uh, the that fucking garbage-ass FIFA presentation when absolutely they were doing the E3. Amazing. It's fabulous. Yeah. It's absolutely intriguing when he's uh, bouncing back and forth between London and California and they've got this stupid fucking actor out on stage you don't know me but you will and it's like not only that but you know like I said the the dead space situation was happening way before he left um, and there's been plenty of other situations that were happening way before he left where he is just driving people into the fucking ground yeah, I'm not saying that like it was perfect when he was there. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we've seen a shorter amount of, bet- of time between all of these things. You know what I mean? Like, I, once I, I certainly like him better than Sodalin, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like these things are happening at a more frequent pace. You know what I mean? Sure. Look, like we had we had Battlefront come out, uh, Battlefront 2 come out that's having a whole lot of issues. People aren't really talking about it, but, it, you know, Need for Speed's having a ton of issues. Like... EA was having a lot of problems, but the, the frequency at which they're happening now is, is crazy, you know? So, In comparison. So. I think, I, if you guys want to say anything else about EA, that's fine, but I think I've obviously made my point yeah. multiple times yeah. over about EA, and I do want to get more honed in on the visceral thing, so just so, put that out there. I wanted to jump yeah. I wanted to jump to that tweet from uh, Johnny Cooper, whatever his name was, from Naughty Johnny Dog. Cooper, yeah. Um, kind of kind of saying that whatever he said the word on the street or whatever verbiage he used is that you know the respawn game looks so much better than the visceral game and that was a big part of the decision to close visceral and when i the first thing i thought when i read that was uh the respawn game looked more looked better from the eyes of of ea as a publisher right um because yeah. to me that kind of not conflicts but it kind of seems to disregard the other reports we've heard of several different people saying that the, the few things that they did see from Visceral and what, what Amy Henning had shown was like well, absolutely fucking amazing. They right? said the so story. You're, they you're said saying the story from Regtag was absolutely amazing. Don, right. you're making the point that it wasn't like uh, Respawn's game graphically looked better or gameplays wise looked better. It looked Necessarily. More that's well, where my head went. Obviously, I'm speculating, but that's what, yeah, to yeah. me, it would make sense as far as the decision that EA made that maybe... You know, especially when we look at the Schreier article about, well, Ragtag didn't have enough lightsabers and robes in it, right? That's what they wanted yeah. to see, right? And so maybe the Respawn game has all that. Not necessarily, you know, has more opportunity for microtransactions, though that could be a small part of it. But to me, that's what that rang from me, that it looked yeah. better to oh. EA. 
the thing to me too on that is that respawn is a team that's shown that they can have a quick turnaround on on impressive games like the turnaround from titanfall to titanfall 2 is pretty short and you know the the campaign of that game was was beloved by some and obviously the sales numbers were screwed because of EA's decision of where to release it yeah um i think in terms of it looked much better i 100 percent agree with you it's probably partially due to the fact that it had lightsabers and jedi stuff and they're like oh that's a star wars game but also I think it's that you have a studio who's probably using their same engine they used for Titanfall, making a Star Wars game, whereas all the stuff in the Schreier article and what we've heard is that Visceral was trying to fit an Uncharted game into an FPS engine with 80 members on their staff, and Fuck from guy. the sounds of it, the demo that they made two weeks before they were closed, they were working night and day to get it finished, and the article talks about how like almost nothing was done for two years. <laughs> Because of having to deal with Amy Henning having to approve everything, having to deal with Star Wars approving everything, it could be that there was just more of a game, period. Yeah, and in the yeah. stuff, when people talk about Amy Hennig's, uh, the, the game, they talk about the story was amazing, the writing was amazing, and the one thing they referred to in terms of how the game looked or played was the the short demo thing we saw at E3, which is like four seconds, you know? And they talk about how I'll have the... To, I'll have to go back, anime, but I feel like we on the article, said they saw more. On the article, they talked about... Well, they were talking about the demo, that the demo looked amazing that they made for EA before they got canned. The one where they put the, the hodgepodge of different uh, parts of it. They said that the you know the animation of him putting his hand on the door when he walks out, which is something no one really noticed, took them months uh, of trying to figure out how to do that. So it's just like... I think it is partially, obviously, because there's the argument factor. Remember the two arguments that Schreier mentioned that EA's biggest problems were it wasn't Star Wars enough and where's the innovation? And the innovation uh, argument is interesting because that wasn't said that it came from EA higher-ups. Apparently that was coming from Jade Raymond from EA Motive who was helping them on the game. She was talking to Amy Hennig and saying, where's the innovation in this? Which is very interesting. I was just laughing because the way your sentence was organized, Jared, it sounded like you were saying that it took them months to figure out how to get the guy to put his hand on the door. Like well, there's the like, animation of it, yeah. How, how do we get this guy to put his hand on the door as he walks <laughs> past it? Like, yeah. fuck, that's going to take a long time, guys. But um, clearly the fact that, you know, first of all, that's got to be devastating. Not just the fact that they closed down, but the fact that they were crunching hard right before they closed down. And that they knew they probably still weren't anywhere close to release. But if we crunch this, we get this demo to them, then they'll finally see what the worth is for the game. Once again terrible management on EA's part and then you just mentioned that on this triple A Star Wars game there was 80 people working that's ridiculous and yes they they had other teams coming in to help but then they were yanking them off to put them on other projects that's just not how you do things in video game development and I don't know shit about video game development but that's clear as day you know that's so obvious I think this also has to do with the fact of I think EA makes great games but i don't know name the last great only single player ea game dragon age inquisition Mass how Effect? long ago was nice. that nice 2014 that was a good poll that was a good poll. yeah three years right yeah so i think this is partially due to the fact of ea's ignorance in this type of game and them assuming that it could be made with 80 employees and it's yeah. like, oh, Hennig's great enough that it could be done. It's because ridiculous. they don't have the context of, like, 
the amount of people. Also, I mean, as much as we, we love Amy Hennig and everyone talks about her being so creative and so great, it seems like she's had some troubles with the teams she's working with. You know, she had troubles at Naughty Dog. She left. She had troubles here. And I'm not saying it's all on her, but I do think for her benefit and her career moving forward, you cannot place her on an already existing team. You need to be able to let her make a team from the ground up because it's obvious that she doesn't work well with random devs and people. It's just, she's just not that type of creator. I would say creator, the you know? caveat to that would be unless you make her just a writer and not an overall game director. Exactly. Yeah. True. Had, that's, a, that's also a very you know, valid argument. It doesn't well. seem yeah. like she had any business directing a game. And furthermore, not to take away anything from her talent, because clearly she's talented. I yeah. think the, the <laughs> yeah. original Uncharted trilogy has great writing, but she didn't write The Last of Us and she didn't write Uncharted 4, and those games don't suffer at all in the story or writing department. Yeah. Or Lost Legacy. And you're not sitting there going, oh man, I miss Amy Hennig so much because this you know, Last of Us story is just so lacking. That's not a fucking thing. So, I don't... Yeah. I think that, I think she might be... Uh, a, it might be a problem with hype here because she wrote some good games with good stories like I'm sure tons of other video game writers have done but because she was at the story studio which is Naughty Dog it was like oh well this is the writer at the story studio and so she got hyped up to the point where they're putting a game writer which as we well know that like game development itself is extremely technical and the writing part of it is one of the least technical aspects of game development and so the fact that they made her a game or game uh, director is once again a perfect example of terrible mismanagement so yeah I mean it was kind of the perfect storm here for this thing to fail if you ask me yep it's and we didn't even touch on the as much as we love visceral there from everybody who's worked at visceral apparently their morale was insanely low it seems like it was the worst combination of three things you know ea's ea's recent track record of mass effect andromeda obviously they have previous engagements of closing out companies but like their recent track record of microtransactions and and these games that aren't living up to their hype on top of amy hennig put it into position where maybe she's not best suited to do so on top of the fact of working with the star wars license which is hard enough on its own on top of the fact of working with the game development company that's like in a very bad position like even if visceral wasn't working on a star wars game would they have ever released another game from like all of the stuff we're yeah man here, it's like bad like think you know? about this coming off of the clusterfuck that was dead space 3 jumping onto the maybe the biggest media franchise license of all time like going to Star Wars from that after the disaster that was Dead Space 3 is just mind-boggling. You did have Battlefield you had Hardline, Hardline yeah. which was like whatever that means. Even true, that's true. like okay true, we got we got to make we got to make Dead Space 3. Oh we we're working on a Battlefield oh we're working on a, a spin-off Battlefield game. Okay. But even still that <laughs> yeah. that almost uh, supports some of my other points which is that you know if you look at the Dead Space studio, and I know that they were not uh, originally Visceral, they were kind of just a EA satellite studio before that, for the Dead Space series, but still, they were clearly, you know, into that cramped first or third person horror, and uh, then, yeah, Battlefield Hardline is just so out of left field. It doesn't even make sense for the Battlefield franchise much less for the developer that they stuck on it. And, you know, of course they weren't happy with that because it didn't sell enough. Like, 
It's going to well, be interesting thing- to see where EA is in the next five years because, first of all, they couldn't have fumbled this uh, Star Wars license any more yeah. than they already have. And second of all, they're shutting down studios right and left. They're jamming microtransactions down everybody's throat. And then, like I said many times now, they just don't know how the fuck to manage most of these proje- projects. And so who knows where the hell they're going to be in a few years. I'm sure they'll still be making money, but they're, they are fucking themselves over. Well, it's interesting because, like, if we so for me, the big three third-party publishers, and you guys can correct me if, if you feel differently, are EA, Ubisoft, and Activision, right? Absolutely. Those who I think are are the big three. Ubisoft is in heaven right now. Their games as service games are selling so much. They have good graces with the, with the gaming community. You know, we're not hearing. You know, we're not hearing. They know how to implement microtransactions without fucking exactly. up your whole game. Activision is in this weird spot where, like, some of their games come out, like Overwatch. No one complains about the macros. Obviously, that's Blizzard. Um, Blizzard runs most of that. And then you have games like Call of Duty where it's, like, not necessarily bad, but it's kind of gross. Where, like, you let people watch other people open loot crates in front of you. And they're, like, dropping down on Normandy Beach. And it's, like, Trophies weird, tied like, to that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't not only a trophy, that, there's a challenge tied to it. You want to talk about backdoor shady shit right here. They are. They haven't implemented the microtransactions yet for Call yeah, of Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty points, which you yeah. know means that they w- just didn't want people talking about it in their reviews. Exactly. Yep. Um, so Activision's kind of in the middle there, where they have some games. Obviously, Blizzard runs on its own for the most part. They just are in partnership with them or own them. I don't exactly know how that partnership is. I think Activision owns Blizzard, but they run independently or something. Um, either way, they're like in the middle. Plus, right? they have a big and mobile e- presence. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, and they have Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty. What is it called? The the Asian game, the China game, where it's Call of Duty Online, where it's just uh, games as service. Yeah, they have a, a they have a, a game in China called Call of Duty Online, I, which is I had no idea. a games as service where they just update it monthly with new maps and stuff, and it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have EA, who's obviously bottom tier in terms of messaging and optics and microtransactions. And the worst part is, like, I could see if they were making shitty games and doing this stuff, but, like, they're presenting these games that people want to play and then just making it the worst experience for people to want to pay money for those games. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. frustrating thing. And, I honestly, as much as I love Visceral and I love Dead Space, I don't think they should have been working on this game in the first place either. It, it's not a good match. No, They're not wasn't. a team that's made third-person games. You know what I mean? It's a bad match all around. Um, well, they've made third-person yeah, games, but they're not a big-budget studio. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. more your mid-tier type, and they're making games that are more niche when they're making the best games that they can, which is Dead Space 1 and 2. And then you put yeah. them on Hardline or Star Wars, and it just doesn't work out. Yeah, it's just... It's frustrating. I think... How would I... I'm... The other thing is I'm not necessarily sure this would, and we're talking in you know conjecture. We don't know if what would have been. From everything we're reading, what if this game would have just been rushed to just get pushed out, and then we're sitting at another Andromeda situation, you know? Um, yeah, but Andromeda is not a terrible game. It, it oh, yeah, mostly exactly. just yeah, has yeah. Uh, technical issues more than anything, and I'm glad that we have... in terms of living up to expectations. I sure, 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 but... You know, they still would have sold a shit ton of games, and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm sure EA wouldn't have been happy with that, even if they had sold fucking 30 million copies right out the fucking gate. But Plus, it- I was well, I was just gonna say that, um, you know, 
I'm glad that we have Andromeda, you know, rather than it got canceled into last year or something. I'm glad we have Andromeda. I would rather we have the 7.0 version of this game rather than not having it at all. The the difference there, too, though, is this would have been the first in a series. So usually we give the first game in a series not a pass, pass. but a a little bit of leeway. Like, okay, you know, this is pretty good. We see what you're doing. Now for the next one, your expectations are going to rise, right? Not not the fourth game in a critically acclaimed franchise. Right. Yeah. That's why sure, sure. Andromeda was yeah. treated that way. Into, yeah. Um, and the thing is, is I think I the one thing I want to stress from this is I think people need to get over the the death of single player argument in terms of directly related oh, to visceral. That. I don't think that this is entire. I don't think this being a single player game had anything to do with its closing. I think it had to do with poor management, uh, visceral, Amy Hennig. I, I think it being just a single-player game was not anywhere well, near the top of the reasons why this game was <laughs> didn't make it. I think it's clear, and it's been happening, really, and we just haven't picked up on it, but I think it, it is a sign of the death of like the biggest budget single-player game. Like, yeah, no longer... yeah, like the AAA, yeah, right. yeah. That doesn't really I don't exist. necessarily agree with that either, man. Look at, look at, uh, you know, and they are first-party games, but Horizon and uh, The Last of Us Part Two are perfect examples that kind of Mario, Zelda. Point. Yeah, I mean, there's ton. We could go on and fucking on. Yeah. You know. Yeah, not the death, I guess, the, the decline from, I don't know, well, maybe it's a no, third-party game. There's certainly for, fewer the, and far between. I think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see the big single player games uh, from the Playstations, the Nintendos, the Microsofts. But I think third parties more. So I because first party is about selling hardware to sell software, right? Mm-hmm. Third party. These third party publishers are just about the money, and they third party publishers go with the trends more than anybody. And I think the problem is people are attaching this movement to the whole industry when in reality it's the big third party publishers who are all about the trends, right? Um, yeah. I think that's the case. I think it's all of these trends that we're going to be seeing. You know, I think these companies are hurting themselves way more than they know right now because they're they're just really tarnishing their reputations and with these microtransactions especially, and they're also getting it to the point where they're hurting the customer trust, and they're also pushing it so hard that they're not going to be able to keep this up, this pace up, for more than maybe a couple years at most. So I think you're going to see kind of a bust. Um, and I think you're going to see it go way downhill uh, as far as just the microtransactions and just the greed in general. At some point, it has to stop. And I know we talk about whales and how much people will just kind of blindly buy extra stuff in a game even though they shouldn't. But yeah. eventually, there's going to be a tipping point, and I think we're closer to that than these companies well, realize. Even with... I think companies don't even obviously they run metrics and stuff like just from a logistical standpoint of looking at it uh, with time is like if we have a bulk of like games of service games that constantly want you to come back a month after a month to play their specific game there's going to be losers in that equation yeah there's naturally so many we've seen that in the MMO in the last 10 years you know there were so yeah. many MMOs after and that was the a success fad. of World, <laughs> World of Warcraft right and then yeah. You saw so many of them close down within the first two years of, of coming out, and they are supposed to be, you know, these long, long-lasting games. So, yeah. Um, one other thing I want to touch on before we go here, uh, okay. off this topic, is that um, Jared, you mentioned. I don't know. I don't think you mentioned it since we started recording, but the fact that um, they were having such a tough time um, 
dealing with the Star Wars license, Visceral was, yeah. because yeah. they would have to wait so long um, to get approval from Disney or Lucasfilm that it was taking them way too long to get anything done because they had to wait for them to even approve just the look of their main character, for example. And um, I want to connect that to the point that uh, I really think that Kathleen Kennedy, the head over at Lucasfilm, is really starting to fuck some shit up pretty bad because um, basically each one of the Star Wars films has had pretty major problems with it, even though they haven't ended up being bad films. Um, but there's been just so much, you know, clearly Phil Lord and Christopher Miller getting fired off the Han Solo movie. Now you have, um, not Ryan Johnson, but, uh, Colin Trevorrow not being on episode nine. Um, you know, you had all the, it looked like Rogue One was a completely different movie from the trailers and they've admitted that they cut that thing up massively. I thought right the last two the films were awesome though. At the end of the day. But that's what I'm saying. They haven't ended yeah, up Yeah, he's saying they're good. Films. But- but behind yeah. the scenes, there is a lot of turmoil. And sure. if you've listened to Kathleen Kennedy talk, she's ultra corporate. And they're talking about how she loves to talk about how they love to support these young creators. And they, the you know, Hollywood's going through this thing. They're kind of at the tail end of it where they've been hiring these guys coming off of just one like successful indie hit who don't have any business directing a $250 million big budget yeah. movie. And then, you know, stuff happens where this is another example with star Wars, where, um, what was the dude's name that was, uh, that directed the most recent fantastic four Josh Trank. He, uh, you know, had a big issues <laughs> with, uh, that and ended up that he was showing up to work drunk and stuff. And eventually got fired off of the eventual what we thought was the star wars boba fett spinoff that he was supposed to make another example um so yeah and that leads into what i was mentioning earlier about the fact that you know they were just having to wait so long for the approval process over at lucasfilm and so i think kathleen kennedy is is kind of a problem when it comes to the star wars license and franchise because you know, like I said, she talks about supporting these young creators and really getting behind them, but the, her money is not where her mouth is. And she's, you listen to her talk, and she is just corporate as fuck. Basically, yeah. like these EA guys. Well, so, so do you think. And I think the. Sorry, go ahead, Don. I had a good last question that I hadn't thought of until halfway through this, but do you think, um, and Jordan, I think you started to allude to it earlier, but do you think that, I don't know how long this deal is between Lucasfilm and EA, but. Yeah. Do we foresee that. You know when it concludes that it's not renewed and that you know eventually oh, not soon here other other publishers and studios are, you know can start making Star Wars games and what that might I look think, like. I think there's probably something in the contract that states about quality and whether or not it can get right. renewed. So I think yeah. if they're willing, if they yeah. release enough games that hit a certain quality threshold, I think they can get renewed. But if but do they want they it? They don't meet from if Lucas they side. Uh, well, it depends on it, what's in the contract, right? Well, um, I mean, if when it concludes though. So yeah. Well, it, it also matter, depends then. on the future in between now and the end of the contract, what they can do. And to answer your question, Dom, I think that um, looking at it now, I can't imagine them renewing this contract. Yeah. And I think it would have to get way better. Like, they would have to Unless completely turn this out and like Exactly. They would have yeah. to completely do a 180 on this for Lucasfilm to even consider renewing that contract. Because so far, like I said, they've completely fumbled this license. And you can tell that they're skittish with it. Which is crazy, because they've dealt with big IP before. Yeah. It's like, how are you that scared of this Star Wars license? Just fucking do it, man. Well, uh, one thing I want to touch on real quick, too, is um, 
and this is my own personal opinion. Obviously, everybody has their own. It's funny that they've had such turmoil with the movies, Jordan. And I think it's like you said where she they're trying to cash in on the next big thing of getting these directors that are I wouldn't say one-hit wonders because we don't know what the rest of their career holds, but they have a hit, right? Yeah. And they're not necessarily good matches for the Star Wars universe. Um, I, I, uh, Lord and Miller, I'm not a personal fan of their work. Uh, I don't like their style. When we heard that the Han Solo movie, like 80% of it was, uh, was uh, help me out here, uh, comedy off the cuff. What's the word I'm looking for? Improv. improv. Apparently, yeah. like 80% of the script was improv. That worried me. Um, yeah. And... Trevorrow, I'm I I don't I don't think Jurassic World is a bad movie, but I don't think it's as good as it should have been. Um, Do you like? I, were you not a fan of uh, the Jump Street movies or Lego Movie? Oh, Jump Street I, movies. I like I like the Jump Street movies. I liked Batman. I don't, and it's it's dumb for me to say, but I don't think their style of directing would have translated well to a Star Wars movie, let alone a Han Solo movie specifically. Just my personal opinion, obviously. Yeah. Man, this. Um, this is like so it's so obvious to me now and I, I used to struggle with it but like why video games are so secretive during development like this is yeah. why because like those last two Star Wars movies like like you said Jordan there's you know some crap going on behind the scenes and then I remember not long before Rogue One premieres they're like oh they're doing reshoots the whole tone is changing and people are losing their shit right granted it was Star Wars yeah. so it didn't matter it still did still did plenty well enough but that to me is that's like it would be I think they would prefer if they could keep that all behind closed doors and then just let the end product be judged because that's what should be judged. Yeah. Like we're just speculating on what's going on behind the scenes before, until then. Sure. Yeah. And uh, really quick before we get into where we're going to be playing, I just want to give because we talked about EA's poor management and then Star Wars having to you know uh, accept everything and approve everything. I want to give a shout out to Bill Roseman for Marvel Games because so far it seems like they're just like they, when he talked about Insomniac, he's like Insomniac. We made a deal with them to make a Spider-Man game, and they're like, hey. Um, are we cool to do certain stuff? And he's like, just run with it. You guys are making your Spider-Man game. And I think yeah. that's awesome. You know? Um, One more thing we're gonna off, see... off the Sorry, Star Wars thing. Sorry. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, recently it was announced. We talked about Colin Trevorrow not being on Episode Nine anymore. And, of course, J.J. Abrams is taking over, which is not what I wanted at all. Because, uh, you know, Force Awakens was just way too fucking safe for me. I felt I felt like... I get that they were trying to get back to square one, but I wanted something a little more out there. And um, I was reading this article recently online where someone described J.J. Abrams as the human equivalent of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> and I just thought that was the most perfect description. That's funny. And that's exactly it's like what vanilla you ice see cream in those is good, movies. but it's not necessarily what you want all the time. I want some so chocolate like, fucking chips in my Star Wars. Some sprinkles, that's for sure, yeah. You know? Exactly. Come on. Yeah. Um. And that's the funny thing is that I think she's been fortunate enough to have all these issues and the movie still be good. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think she's walking that finally. If Han Solo comes out and it's, uh, you know. I'm sure like, they brought in Ron Howard because he was yeah. a surefire motherfucker. Talk about deal. vanilla ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think we're clear on that. I think we were all able to talk about Visceral. It sucks. Uh, it's something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while, but unfortunately we Yeah, this together. was therapeutic. Yeah. Um, as far as what we're going to be playing, uh, I don't think there's any new releases coming out next week that I'm going to be purchasing, um, but Justice League comes out. Excited it's getting good reviews. That's what I hoped for. I wasn't expecting great reviews. Good enough for me. I'm excited for that. Um, I was going to watch or uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the remake. It was getting some mad reviews, um, so I'm just going to wait for it to come to uh, On Demand. I'm still going to watch it. I'm still excited to watch it, but 
I, I'm, I'm not in a hurry, you know, to go watch it in theaters. Yep. Um, what else? I'm thinking about what else on my plate. Going to probably get a couple more moons in Odyssey. Um, oh, a couple more. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're sure that's the case. Uh, I'm going to play the other part of the demo for Project Octopath Traveler, which is Primrose is the girl. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Um, Caliber and I'm thinking... Is there is there anything else big that's coming out this weekend? Oh, Punisher comes out. There you go, well. baby. Yeah. yeah, so um if Justice League doesn't suit my superhero fancy, I'm pretty sure the Punisher's gonna bring me on home. So yeah, we got um those two and then of course Star Wars Battlefront two is coming out this weekend, which um I guess you're already playing, so that doesn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, real quick, yeah, real quick, I want to say something. There was some release dates that were announced this last week um, that kind of went, I didn't see any news about. Um, we Happy Few is coming out uh, April 13th of 2018, day and day, Xbox One, PS4. Oh, you want to talk about weird $60 games? I, I don't know about that, man. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know if that's worth $60. I'm, I'm just glad it has the release date finally. Um, yeah. The other game, do you guys remember the indie game that was on Xbox's stage that looked like cartoony Dark Souls-ish. It was called Ashen. Do you guys remember that? Um, I feel like I would. The, is that the one where people ha- don't have faces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like very grays and browns and like there was the in the trailer he was like walking down a corridor and his like friend turned the corner and this like weird like spirit thing walk, like came up behind him and like disappeared. Yeah. yeah. That's coming out April 30th of next year on Xbox One and PC. So I'm stoked about that because that's a game I've been looking forward to. Um... I was just excited that we finally got some release dates for games next year. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, nothing big for me. Um, I, yeah, I don't think there's any new releases. Uh, like Dom, I'm waiting for Black Friday um, for those deals. I'm probably going to either pick up Wolfenstein 2, AC yeah. Origins. Wolfenstein? Uh, one of them uh, I'm going to pick up and start playing. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. What about you guys? Well, the only good Nazi is a dead Nazi, Jared. So I'm hoping I also <laughs> grab Wolfenstein. God. Uh, for, yeah, for a measly thirty bucks. That We're not cool. like that, Dom. We're not one of them. <laughs> That's not us. Oh, real quick. Last week, shout out to the Mario Party game, the top one hundred that should have been on Switch. Mm. Yeah, it irritates me that it was on three mm. DS. Seriously. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna try to watch Justice League two this weekend. That'd be pretty cool. I'm gonna start Punisher too. Motherfucker, how are you already on the sequel? I'm just about to see the first yeah. one. I gotta, I gotta watch my twos here. I start, I start, start that joke never also's. gets old. <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing, dumb is I think Punisher is like one of those series that you don't have to worry about the rest of them. You know, well, it's I love so Daredevil different in tone. One I think, two, so. yeah. I think, yeah. If you've seen Daredevil season two, you're yeah. good to go on Punisher. Oh yeah, perfect. I'm counting yeah. on it. Yeah. But yeah. Play some more I don't Dishonored. even think they mentioned him in Iron Fist or. Uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Defenders have all come out since then. I don't even know if he's Those shows can mentioned. all fuck off. I don't really care. Oh, I think also he, might, remember he was this... mentioned, I think, but it was like, oh, it was just some crazy guy who shot up a bunch of people, and so you don't need to worry about it. Also remember that uh, this is the first uh, DC movie with the post credit scene. So Now there was uh, Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, Suicide Squad had Suicide a post credit scene, scene with uh, Amanda Waller and Bruce Wayne sitting at a Oh, you're table. right. You're right. Then how come that's a headline? I saw that today. That's because people are fucking stupid. Check your sources. Yeah, Yeah. I watched Suicide Squad late, man. I'm sorry I didn't watch it in theaters. Oh, (laughs) I know. I'm being sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic, yeah. Finally watched Wonder Woman, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. Really enjoyed it. The CG fight at the end, a little weird. Still enjoyed it. Yeah, dude, it's just like... 
do we have to do that? Do we have to like save the world every at the end of every superhero movie? You know? Yeah. Ugh. That's why spoilers. I like the end of uh, Thor Ragnarok where you're not. Yeah. The world doesn't necessarily get saved if you know what I'm saying. Uh, a shout out to Chris Pine and Gal Gadot having like some of the best chemistry in a superhero movie. I thought. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was. Uh, good. That's pretty much it for me. Okay, so, um, yeah, obviously I'm about to go see Justice League here in a few hours. Uh, pretty damn excited for that. Like I mentioned before, I've been waiting on a Justice League live-action movie pretty much my entire life since I'm such a big DC fan. And so um, I remember reading articles about the possible Justice League movie that they were making 10-plus years ago and just being so fucking excited. And I guess you could say my hype's extended all the way until now. Um, so, yeah, very happy to finally see that happening. And, of course, uh, keeping away from the trailer. So we'll see how that goes. Of course, I'm down for The Punisher. Um, and then, of course, I'm down for Star Wars Battlefront 2, even though I saw that Star Wars Explained on YouTube uploaded their full playthrough, which was three and a half hours. So I don't know um, how excited I am for that. Um, there's certainly plenty of people saying lots of not so great things about Battlefront 2 so I'm sure it's going to be uh, you know a solid game to play and you know I've also been thinking about how I'm kind of excited to be able to play in the prequel era because of course everybody loves to shit on those movies I think there's you know some decent parts to them that I'm glad are part of the Star Wars universe and I think the biggest thing is that I'm glad that there has been a lot of cool lore. I'm not talking about fucking midichlorians and shit, but there has been cool lore that's come out of that era. And especially when you look at uh, the two Clone Wars animated series, those are great. And they basically, in a lot of ways, Darth redeemed, redeemed the series. Yeah, even though Darth Maul turned into a crazy Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, um, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, but they, they once again redeemed that, only to kill him off again. So um, that's a whole other story. But anyways... Um, I'm excited to be able to jump into the prequel era. Uh, and then uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll be watching some more of that anime. Um, I'm sure I'll be, uh, you know, watching some Mr. Robot. I'll get, catch this week's Walking Dead, you know, my weekly shows that I'm into. But uh, as far as uh, what I'll be playing, obviously Battlefront 2, I mentioned that. But then... Um, I think it's about time. I've, I've taken a little breath from AC Origins just because, you know, I needed a little break from it because it wasn't exactly what I wanted. And so I think I'll be ready to go back to it. And then also um, I'm downloading Swi uh, Doom on the Switch as we speak. Ooh. Um, hmm. And then also Doom. And also um, uh, Skyrim comes out on Switch uh, this weekend, which I've barely played any of Skyrim, even though I've had it before. Um, so... I'm actually really excited for both of those two re-releases on Switch that I haven't played. Look at that. Awesome. Uh, next week's going to be episode 80, uh, which is cool. I like the round numbers. Um, yeah, if you if you haven't yet, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, even if you're not going to watch a video, it definitely helps. Uh, also, if you can please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Um, the more reviews we get and the more follows we get, the higher up on the charts we get and people can actually see our dumb logo. <laughs> It's not dumb. It's nice. But, you know, they can see us and maybe listen to us and follow us, which is awesome. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. We'll catch you guys next week in episode 80, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.